Hi, and welcome to The Communique Dart, the podcast produced by Chime's student-run media outlet, The Communique. My name's Alice Crow, and in this episode of the podcast, I sat down with Dr. Kristen Dukes, Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, to discuss her office's strategic plan and its upcoming release. To be able to have a finalized um, DES strategic plan in June, so that the board can take a look at it, and that we'll be able to implement it um, and start doing the hard work come fall. With only a few days remaining in the semester, the office is planning campus community open sessions to share the plan with faculty, staff, and students. Dr. Duke shared with me some key elements of the plan, as well as her own thoughts on the campus climate. We've brought in too many athletes that don't have the same values as the institution. I will say I have heard that 17 trillion times since since being here. Um, And I don't believe that is completely true. This episode is the second part in a two-part series. To learn more about HARP, one of the campus climate assessments that played a role in crafting DEI's strategic plan, check out our first episode of the podcast. I met Dr. Dukes in her Woodland office on April 10th. It was one of the warmest spring days of the semester so far, and students were lounging in the quad right outside her window. Dr. Dukes introduced herself in the role her office plays at Chatham. I'm Kristen Nicole Dukes. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am the Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion and Chief Diversity Officer here at Chatham. I have been at Chatham since May 23rd of 2022, so I'm coming up almost in a year of being here. Uh, Prior to being here, I was the Dean for Institutional Diversity at Allegheny College up uh, in Meadville for four years. And prior to that, I was an Associate Professor of Psychology at Simmons University in Boston. So the office itself uh, oversees all issues dealing with diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, for staff, faculty, and students. It's a lot of work, as you can imagine. Uh, Some of the things that you may be most familiar with from uh, the student side of things is we um, handle programming for Queering Leadership, for BIPOC Family Dinner, for the RISE Retreat, for Queer Family Dinner. Um, We support a number of the identity-based organizations on campus, though they are directly supported through student engagement. We provide support to those um, organizations as well. Um, and that's the gist of the, the student side of things that we do, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a number of them. Um, the office itself is staffed by two folks full-time, so myself and then also Kayla Taylor, class of 2022. She's a recent graduate of Chatham, who is our interim director of the office, um, who does a number of the student-facing uh, things. And then we have, I believe, four graduate assistants maybe five, and one um, undergraduate intern who work in the office. For the last couple of years, one of the primary responsibilities of the DEI office has been to construct a diversity plan for the university. This plan identifies a vision for the university's future DEI efforts, including specific initiatives and goals. So beginning, I believe, in 2019-2020, the institution determined that it was time for them to look at a DEI strategic plan specifically. And there was a task force pulled together um, by President Feingold 
to um, do some of the preliminary work. And some of the first things that this um, strategic um, plan task force did was brought in an external uh, group to do a comprehensive campus climate assessment. So that was Whitworth Key. Some of you may remember um, participating in focus groups with Whitworth Key or even uh, participating in their online survey. This would have been, I wanna say throughout the fall of 2020 into the spring of 2021 that Whitworth Key was doing its work. Along with the Whitworth Key study, other campus assessments, like the HARP study, were conducted to better understand the campus climate. From there, the results of these assessments were considered by a council comprised of students, faculty, and staff. So over this past year, uh, the DEI uh, task force, strategic plan task force, was merged with the Diversity and Inclusion Council. And I don't know how many folks are actually familiar with the Diversity and Inclusion Council or know that it's a part of the institution, but basically it started, I believe, in about 2017, and it's a council of faculty, staff, and students that <clears throat> have a specific mandate to look at the, the climate of the institution. And if you were to go on to the DEI, um, my Chatham page, or even the DEI, edu chatham.edu page you can see what the 10 fundamental goals of the diversity and inclusion council so one of the first things we did was merge the diversity and inclusion council with the dei strategic plan group because it felt as if the two groups were working separately on the same thing so a lot of the same goals a lot of the overlap between the people um, and it seemed to make more sense for the effectiveness and efficientness of the process of coming up the final strategic plan to merge those two groups. Dr. Dukes and the council began to see patterns of concern across the multiple assessments. She pulled out a copy of the HARP study to explain how certain recommendations were taken and incorporated into the plan. Stating, so if you look at the recommendations, first recommendation, diversify the faculty and administration have faculty of color in leadership positions in the university um, as a strategy to do that. Prioritize queer leadership and queer faculty and job opportunities. If once you look at the details of the DEI strategic plan, you will see where we are taking this recommendation. And I, I would say it's like a triangulation of sources, if you will. So I see this in HARP. I saw it in the Whitworth Key data. And by the way, uh, for folks that do not know, on the DEI strategic plan, uh, my Chatham site, both the HARP study and the Whitworth Key study are available mm -hmm. publicly. So you can actually go back and see what information I'm pulling from. But when there was a triangulation of information, so I'm making an observation as myself, as, as the chief diversity officer, or senior university officer, I'm listening to students, faculty, and staff in these open sessions. I'm seeing what the Whitworth Key data say. I'm seeing what the recommendations say from the HARP study. I'm looking at other institutional measures from over time. When all of that information is triangulating and screaming, diversify the student body or diversify the faculty and the administration, then that's a clear directive. That goes into the strategic plan without a question. Over the past year, Dr. Dukes and the council also developed a new inclusive excellence framework for the university. This framework has acted as a guide for constructing the diversity plan. Uh, to define inclusive excellence, it is the notion that DEI efforts and um, quality efforts of an institution, so how well it puts out its academic product, have to be deeply intertwined, and that diversity, equity, and inclusion have to be central in any of those efforts. 
So the Inclusive Excellence Framework has four comprehensive areas. One is climate and intergroup relations, education and scholarship, institutional viability and vitality, and access and success. And the thought is if we do targeted work in each one of these areas, that together it will strengthen the inclusiveness and welcome um, environment that we have here as an institution. So I'll give you some examples of how extensive this looks. So for instance, in the area of education and scholarship within the um, strategic plan. So this dimension of the inclusive excellence framework, education and scholarship focus on, focuses on the academic core of the institution. Um, it looks at curricular offerings as well as co-curricular offerings and research and scholarship being done at the institution. And it asks some critical questions. So are we preparing students for a diverse workforce? Are we doing what we can to make sure that our curriculum is as diverse as possible? Are we setting ourselves up as an institution to be a leader in the DEI space and um, to produce the next generation of DEI practitioners? So within that, some of the goals that have been identified to focus on include a review of the undergraduate academic core for its approach to DEI-related content in pedagogy. You may say, what does that mean and how might that look? So how might that look? So an audit of the curriculum to evaluate the breadth and the depth of DEI elements within each school of the institution. So capturing DEI components in the coursework um, um, through student surveys. So at the end of each semester, being able to look through the student evaluations to see what students are saying about the DEI components of their courses. Um, capturing from professors the existing strengths and opportunities within their courses related to DEI. Uh, providing professors with a useful rubric to compare and assess the outcomes of DEI elements within their course. Those are just some strategies we could use to get at the ultimate goal of reviewing the academic core on the undergraduate level. Now, as you can imagine, a second goal would be doing that for the graduate level of work. Um, and then also just looking at, to make sure there's equity in the types of resources we're using. So you may be familiar with open educational resources. There's a movement because of the prices of textbooks to make sure that um, materials for courses are available to students at an affordable cost. So one of the goals of the DEI strategic plan is to explore curricular resources like OERs to see who's using what and to set some goals for how we might incorporate those into the entire institution so that things are affordable. So how this ties into the DEI strategic plan is this framework was used to organize the priorities that have been set forward in the DEI strategic plan. So the newly formed Diversity and Inclusion Council, the merged group, mm -hmm. um, got together and organized into subgroups based on these four areas to identify what are the top priorities for the institution along these areas and what strategies can we use over the next one year, three years, five years to achieve those priorities. So last fall, um, once we have the new group merged, we broke into working groups to look at what priorities we might have as an institution. Um, we also held two open sessions that had decent turnout, I would say, from students. They were a hybrid um, format. So I would say there were probably 20 or so students in person for each session and another 10 to 20 online. 
one in November and one December to get information from the campus community about what it perceived as the DEI priorities for the institution. All of that information was boiled down and integrated and we now have, um, and it, it's quite the extensive plan, I would show it to you, it is about 15 pages in terms of a Word doc, huge table where we've identified for each one of those areas that I mentioned within the IE plan, at least three to five goals that we want to achieve, either short-term, mid-term, or long-term, and the strategies by which we can use to achieve those goals. Mm -hmm. So this information at this point has been presented to the executive leadership team, to President's Cabinet, which includes the deans and some other folks across campus, and to the Board of Trustees for feedback. And the next step is to get that information out to the campus community. The plan is to be able to have a finalized um, DEI strategic plan in June so that the board can take a look at it and that we'll be able to implement it um, and start doing the hard work come fall. So the next part of this is there'll be an open um, session again for students and there'll be a separate one for faculty and staff a little later in May. Um, we'll put um, a version of the plan up along with the survey. So similar to the way that the larger institutional strategic plan was uh, shared out with the campus community where there was an open comment period, we'll use that information and tweak for um, you know a final version of that. And then what you'll also see is the implementation plan, which is the most important piece. So who is accountable for which piece of this? Um, just from the education and scholarship piece, and that's just one of the four areas, you can imagine that that is a lot of work and will, call, will require all hands to be on deck, mm -hmm. not just the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. So this is a cross-institution um, collaboration. The next step is figuring out who's accountable for what, what success looks like, what metrics we're gonna use to um, measure success. So for instance, with this curricular audit, um, does success look like us completing a curricular audit for all of the programs and majors within the next year or two years? And that's being incredibly ambitious, of course. But determining what success looks like um, so that we can circle back and uh, make sure we're tracking our progress. And not every goal within the strategic plan is that big or that long term. Um, again, there are short-term goals, mid-term goals, long-term goals. Some, some that will um, have a larger impact pretty quickly. So one of the goals that I want to you know, elevate and bring to the forefront is in with, uh, within climate and intergroup relations, um, focusing on a biased reporting system. So we do not, as it stands through the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, have a clear biased reporting system or protocol. One of the things that we're gonna be standing up pretty quickly is that system. So within the DEI strategic plan, that's a identified goal and strategy towards making this institution more inclusive and welcoming for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you can see happening within the next three to six months. Despite the comprehensive nature of this plan, Dr. Dukes did want to warn students that not all campus concerns will be included. She also shared the most pressing issues she sees at Chatham, providing unique insight on the campus climate. So there are things that appear in the Whitworth Key study and then also appear in the HARP study that did not make it into the DES strategic plan because I f we felt that they needed their own standalone attention. Mm. So one of those things would be accessibility. Um, be it physical accessibility to spaces on campus, uh, accessibility, um, 
just broadly speaking. That information came through clear. It comes through in every single open forum that we have, and there is a separate group that is going to be working on the accessibility piece, be it physical accessibility, other aspects of accessibility on campus. Um, so that's one of those things that you won't see in the DEI strategic plan that is incredibly important. In terms of my own observations, um, what I see is a, a campus community that values diversity, equity, and inclusion, but is still disconnected. Um, I think one of the places that disconnect comes out is in the perceived divide between athletes and non-athletes on this campus which I think is actually just a proxy for the growing pains of becoming a gender inclusive institution. That all of these things are conflated and the language that people are using or the, the best way people can identify the tension they feel is, oh, is that we've brought in too many athletes that don't have the same values as the institution. I will say I have heard that 17 trillion times since, since being here. Um, and I don't believe that is completely true. Mm. I think that some of that is a large generalization mm -hmm. and there are some assumptions that are happening on both sides, be it athletes and non-athletes, um, and that the divide between students in this, com this community is really not as big as we believe. Um, I've had the opportunity to sit on the presidential search committee um, with two students. Mm. And one of the students is an athlete and the other student is not an athlete. And I've watched them and listened to them um, and heard their concerns about the campus community. And there was a through line with both of them at the end of the day. And it's this bridge that if we could just come together and get on the same page and understand that we have the same values, mm -hmm. that there are assumptions about folks on the other end. Um, I think some of the most hurtful things that I've heard <clears throat> directly from students um, or student-athletes that say people just automatically assume that I'm a particular type of person because I'm on this campus and sometimes I'm ashamed to say that I play a sport mm. because I don't want to be labeled in that way. On the flip side, I'm hearing non-athlete students say there are these athletes that came here for different values and they don't get it and they're not leaning into the campus community. But at the end of the day, I'm hearing hurt mm -hmm. in both places, and that if there was an opportunity for us to come together as a campus community and talk about this divide and come to terms with it's really not an athlete, non-athlete issue, that it's a vestige of the growing pains of Chatham as an institution, that we would be in a much better place. And I'm hoping mm -hmm. that I will be able to help the, the institution have those opportunities. So that's what I see. As, as one of the, the leading issues, the, the divide that isn't really there. It's there, but it isn't there. There isn't that much of a bridge there. This plan also ties into other changes at Chatham, like the upcoming announcement of a new president. Dr. Duke shared with me her excitement for the new changes and what she hopes to see in the next couple of years at the university. So I will say through this search process, and if you go on uh, chatham.edu and take a look at the presidential profile that we put out there to solicit candidates, diversity, equity, inclusion was underscored heavily. Mm -hmm. So I, I also think that's why I was brought onto the search committee to signal to candidates how important this is. So whoever the next president is, um, I see them as a strong partner in this work. 
I see them as helping to set the tone. So when I said about bringing the campus community together and highlighting our shared values, I envision our next president being a leader that speaks to those values uh, frequently <laughs> and publicly, explicitly, um, to, to set the tone for who we are as an institution and to uplift those, those goals and those values. Um, the next president will have not just this strategic plan, but the overall campus strategic plan to um, to implement further or move further. Um, so they'll be deep in this. <laughs> they'll be in the trenches also. As I said, it's it's a, a cross-institution collaboration. So the president and the board, I, I, I'm going to bring up the board of trustees because there are parts of the plan that speak directly to mm. the board of trustees and their involvement within the institution. There are parts of the plan that speak to our, our external relationships, the partnerships that we do with other folks to make sure that we're doing partnerships with like-minded um, institutions and organizations across the Pittsburgh area and beyond. Mm -hmm. So the president will play a huge role in brokering those partnerships and those relationships. So I, I see the next person um, being heavily involved, even if I have to drag them kicking and <laughs> Which that was a joke. I do, I do <laughs> definitely not, don't no mean no means believe that our next president will have to be drug yeah. kicking. And but you hold their feet to the fire. Hold their feet to the fire. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's reciprocal. Here's the thing, and that's another thing I want to say about this plan is it's iterative. Mm -hmm. So if we get into the plan and we're implementing, and something else pops up as a priority, that doesn't mean it gets overlooked. Mm -hmm. It gets pulled in. As we're doing this work, as we figure out what works or what doesn't work, because we have these strategies, we don't know if all the strategies are going to work, mm -hmm. um, that we can take a step back and say, this worked, this didn't work, that there is some assessment built in mm -hmm. um, so that we have that feedback loop along the way. When you walk on campus in the next one, three, five years, what do you want to see? What will you see? I would like to see a vibrant campus with students, faculty, staff out and about frolicking, being <laughs> in the snow, <laughs> or on a beautiful spring day like this. Um, no, uh, to, to see that true togetherness and people coming together in the spirit of Chatham, mm. um, not siloed by major or siloed by what campus they happen to be on, that there isn't this conversation about Shady Side versus East Side versus Eden Hall, that it's one true Chatham. That is what I mm. hope to see and want to see and is, hope we are all aspiring to see in, um, in the years to come. What it looks like in terms of programming, um, one of the things that ODI is working on in particular is rebooting the Worldview Network. So uh, for those folks that don't know, the Worldview Network is almost our proxy for spiritual and religious life right now is a pdf that has information about where you can go and worship we need more than just having that on a piece of paper we need to embody that so we have our prayer and meditation spaces i know that for ramadan that um the muslim student association has been having some iftars like for the campus community i want to see more vibrant events like that where we are all coming together as a campus community and celebrating the different identities that we have is uh is there anything i didn't touch on is there anything you want students to know um anything at all uh, that you can think of that just you didn't get to say 
that I didn't get to say. So there are a couple of um, initiatives that I'm really excited about that are happening. And one of them is the creation of a new DEI space uh, for students, faculty, and staff. It is tentatively going to be Woodland 103. Um, so hopefully over the summer, we'll be doing some work on renovating that space so that we'll have a new lounge and programming space. We'll have some expanded space um, for my team. So as a team, we're, I mean, you're in my lovely office, but you're probably like, where's the rest of the office? That is a good question. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exist so far. Um, but Woodland 103 is going to be that space. I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm excited about the renovations to the prayer and meditation room. So if you have not been over to the basement of uh, Braun, that is where the prayer and meditation space mm. is. I'm really excited about that on the Shadyside campus. We've identified some spaces over at Eastside, and we're trying to find one in Eden Hall. So I'm really excited about, um, I'm excited about Rise Retreat coming up in the fall and some, some things that we're hoping to bring back. So extending the Rise Retreat back to um, students moving in early and doing more of a retreat rather than a one day or two dayer. Um, so yeah, I'm, as you can see, I'm excited about lots everything. Lots to come, <laughs> lots yeah. To come. <laughs> Great. Um, well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Students, faculty, and staff should keep an eye out for emails from the DEI office about the upcoming open sessions. Thank you to the students and faculty who helped with the production of this episode, and thank you to the listeners. This is the last episode I'll be hosting as I'm graduating this spring. I really appreciate having had the opportunity to work on the Communique d'Art. Please subscribe to The Dart wherever you listen to podcasts and visit our website, chamcommunique.com, for more stories. Thanks again. <laughs>